the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. What's on your financial mind? Pick up the phone. Give us a call, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, let's see, where are we? End of February? Is that about right? So we're one-sixth of the way through the year. We're marching towards Christmas again. It's how fast life goes by. Uh, life definitively happens when you're making other plans, right? Followed a big reversal yesterday. The uh, major stocks gained. They did good um, after suffering large losses in the opening stage of the day. That's one of the reasons I, I love the show, I hate the show, is that I'm, I'm at the front end of the market, and a lot of you get the show on podcast through iHeartRadio or through KDOW.biz um, or through iTunes. And by the time you get to it, the market's reversed, and that stinks. But, yeah, it comes to the territory, right? Yesterday's turnaround was catalyzed by a turn in oil prices. It stuns me how stuck Wall Street gets to a narrative where it literally feels like I'm talking about Greece and will they or won't they exit the euro for four months in a row? And now I'm talking about, yep, oil was up, markets were up. Yep, oil was down, markets were down. Um, government's inventory report showed crude stockpiles increased more than expected. A drawdown in gasoline inventories won some claim. Ah, yay, we're driving. We heard also that traders were relieved the increase in inventories was less than the increase in the inventories reported by the API. I know, this is getting kind of minutia, right? So today we wake up and we see the Shanghai Composite down 6.4%. The basic narrative coming out of China is that things seem to be settling down. Now that the word on the street is that liquidity concerns have rocked the stock market there, along with lingering doubts about China will get its reform measures right. Will they or won't they? 
They'll fire people. They'll tinker. They'll try to pull it off. Uh, European markets got clobbered yesterday, but they're up today. Wow, this international markets are just, I'm not going to say fascinating because it's really not fascinating, but damn, they're dramatic. So um, who knows what's going to be said today as the day unfolds and where oil will or will not go if Saudi Arabia says something or doesn't say something. You know, again, the drama. Save the drama for your mama, except for when it's on Wall Street. Markets opened higher, but did uh, proceed to go to the lower side. Uh, We did get a little bit of economic news. Initial claims and durable good orders uh, had some pleasing data this morning. Initial claims. uh, These are initial jobless claims. You've been let go. Your boss has said, you know, yeah, it's just not working out. Yeah. So initial claims for the week ending February 20th increased 10,000 from the prior week to 272,000, despite the increased weekly claims remain in the lower half, 250,000 to 300,000 range. The four-week moving average dipped by 1,200 to 273,000. That's a good number. Anytime first-time unemployment claims are under 400,000, it's generally considered pleasing. So when you're under 300,000, it's it's pointing to a, a labor market that could you know continue to work. You know, the one that always surprises me is the continuing claims. People have been unemployed for a long period of time. You jump from unemployment claims to long-term unemployment claims. And that's got to suck. You know, I know a paycheck is a paycheck even if it's coming from the government. But to be getting a paycheck from the government for that period of time, it's not a lot of money. So I... I deal with a lot of fights and a lot of fires. Like here at Cron, I've got a morning producer who who doesn't really know a lot about money. So he doesn't really want to talk about money on television. Because um, he assumes that most people don't know a lot about money. But the number one thing that I'm doing is, is probably one of the most important things to our society is trying to motivate people to save a little bit more money, to invest a little bit smarter. Um so that you're not in a position of poverty when you're age 60 years old. Durable good orders jumped 4.9% in January. That's good. That's nice to see. Durable goods are things that are you know meant to last more than a month or two. So it's not a dinner. January upturn followed on the back of month-over-month declines in both November and December. The durable goods orders data notoriously volatile due to the influence of big-ticket purchases like aircraft and defense spending. Orders for non-defense aircraft and parts surged 54% after 29% decline in December. Whoa, that is a big swing. New orders uh, were seen in a host of areas, including primary metals, fabricated metals, machinery. Yeah, that's getting a little too minutiae, isn't it? So the strength of the January numbers ultimately means a rebound from a depressed base of order activity. So you take data and you try to blend it together. You don't try to hit, you know, a home run with any one piece of data. Best Buy is a headline today. They posted better than expected fourth quarter earnings and warned for the first quarter. It's funny. Best Buy, uh, the tech gadget revolution certainly helped Best Buy. 
and now as you're hearing, you know, people are slowing down on replacing their iPhones. You have to assume that that you know we're getting a little gadget fatigue. But then you look at restoration hardware, which I don't understand that store. I go in there and I, I just think most of their stuff is is overpriced by about four times, or just gosh darn ugly. It's one or the other. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, Apple, Facebook, Alphabet, all slipping a little bit today. Salesforce.com, ticker symbol CRM. Um, had a real nice quarter, real nice quarter, and that stock's up 8.7% on that news. Well off its 52-week high. Um, good company, real, I, I would say, one of the winners of you know, 2000, uh, the second round of dot-com kind of companies. Um, on extreme weakness, I think it becomes more attractive because it has a super high valuation. And we've seen what happens with companies with super high valuations. Companies like um, LinkedIn get murdered if you miss your numbers and you have a super high valuation. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about today. Um, seriously, <clears throat> anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Let's see, Foxconn, they are a big manufacturer. They're going to take over Sharp. Um, Are they or aren't they? They seem to want them. Um, InBev, AB InBev, $108 billion takeover. is having some big hurdles in South Africa. They're trying to, uh, Anheuser-Busch is trying to take over SAB Miller, trying to combine the two uh, biggest brewers in the world, which pretty dramatic there you can find me online at robblackshow.com that's robblackshow.com twitter robblackshow youtube robblackshow You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Free ticket time, free ticket time. In this case, not sure if you know or not, but KDOW AM 1220 is the station that does the San Jose Barracuda broadcasts. Eric Lindquist, great play-by-play man, San Jose Barracuda, uh, in the heat of a pennant race, not a pennant race, but a playoff race. Um, playoff hockey's fun, and I'm going to give you a chance right here, right now, to go to an upcoming game Tuesday, March 7th. It's a family four-pack, so hopefully you have a family of four. It's at the SAP Center in San Jose, so it's the real hockey arena that the Sharks play in. It's kind of awesome. Um... Amazing seats. I'm not putting down AHL hockey when I say this, but they're playing in a real arena, big arena. 
all seats are great seats because they close off the upper uh, levels. So it's a great sport to see. So family four-pack of tickets, absolutely free. I'm going to throw out a, a free parking pass. Stockton Heat Tuesday, March 1st. You know, I think Stockton is the armpit of America. It's certainly the armpit of California, but they're vying for the armpit of America. So the San Jose Barracuda against the Stockton Heat, 7.30 at the SAP Center, March 1st. Call right now, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. It's a Tuesday night game coming up March 1st at the SAP Center in San Jose. Call 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. And we'll say ah, first or second caller gets them. As long as you're a family of four, that's what I want. Free parking, no cost to you. Everything's complimentary. It's lovely. So call right now. And if you want to get tickets, go to kdow.biz. You'll see the Barracuda logo there. But the tickets start at like $12, and I think the most expensive one hits around $40. Um, you can uh, get tickets at sjbarracuda.com. It's sjbarracuda.com. All tickets are great tickets there. It's a, a lovely place to see a hockey game. Um, home buyers in pricey markets are starting to feel a little spooked. Rising home prices in hot housing markets are robbing buyers of a favorite pleasure of looking at homes that they can't afford. So traditionally, buyers browsing online have looked at homes that cost more than they are planning to spend. The dynamic has held true in, you know, a lot of pricey cities. Cities such as San Francisco and Boston, where inventory is scarce, you don't get to see the expensive homes because they're not for sale at this point in time. Um, so a lot of people dream big, and that's kind of going away a little bit. That's one of the sadder facts about what's currently happening in real estate prices. 45% of Americans pay no federal income tax. Wow. It's tax time. And, I don't know. <laughs> don't you always kind of associate tax time with someone in a lame costume dressed up as the Statue of Liberty <laughs> with a sign that says it's tax time? For some reason, I do. An estimated 45.3% of American households, roughly 77.5 million, pay no federal income tax. Roughly half pay no federal tax because they have no taxable income, and the other roughly half get enough tax breaks to erase their tax liability. How does that make you feel? The top 1% of Americans who have an average income of more than $2.1 million pay 43.6% of federal income tax in the United States. So, are the top 1% paying their fair share, or should it be more? That's a lot of people not paying taxes. It feels like I've been paying taxes my whole life. I started, what was your first job? Do you remember getting pay stubs and looking at them and going, whoa, what's this? Why am I paying so much for that? Um, I certainly went through a little bit of that, if you know what I'm saying. So, And uh, hopefully you do as well. So getting to know your tax scenario makes you a better informed American? Eh, I don't know about that. Well, I pay tax, even if 45% of Americans don't. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Something that's happening pretty commonly right now is... Social Security is just a mess. Um, there's a lot of new laws hitting Social Security. So if you're an older American, uh, some older Americans are saying that you know they're getting wrong information from Social Security, and there's a big deadline to take advantage of popular benefit claiming strategies that are being eliminated. 
the strategy known as file and suspend and a restricted application for spousal benefits are complicated and they became more popular and more more sexier, more fun back in 2000. And Social Security employees don't necessarily know the laws. So specifically, people who turn 66 by April 29th can file for Social Security and then suspend their benefits to allow a spouse to file a restricted application. As long as they act by that date, it allows them to make sense uh, as far as doing it if your spouse is 62 or older by January 1 of this year because people in that age group will continue to be able to file a restricted application for only a spousal benefit once they turn 68, 66. So you can see how this gets kind of confusing. It's one of the reasons I love financial planners. Financial planners, their job is to know tax laws. Their job is to know distribution strategies. Their job is to know diversification. Um, I work with CFPs. Uh, I think it's a designation that's really, really important. Um, I got in the industry, let's just say roughly 20 years ago. It's 18-ish. In the investment advisory world. And I think the financial planning world is the investment advisory world times three. Um, It's just so much more important than picking up a good portfolio. Citigroup is out there today saying that the risk of global recession is rising. The risk of the global economy falling into a recession is rising as fundamentals remain poor. So their quote was, we are currently in a highly precarious environment for global growth and asset markets after two to two, th- two to three years of relative calm. They think global growth is unusually weak. The most recent deterioration in the global outlook is due to moderate worsening in the prospects of the advanced economies, a large increase in the uncertainty about the advanced economy's outlook, and a tightening in financial conditions everywhere. I think this year's um, Summer Olympics are going to be fascinating because they're going to be in Brazil where not only do we have the Zika virus, you know, playing into a hotbed of intelligence, but we also have, it's kind of where some of the world economies are struggling and why they're struggling. So uh, it's going to be, you know, if the, the Olympics a couple of years back where China got to showcase China, and they did a marvelous opening and closing ceremonies, right? If that was like the coming out party for China as a world economy, what will this year's Olympics be in Brazil where they've got crazy pollution, they've got strikes, they've got a, a disenfranchised group of citizens who, who don't really want the Olympics. They'd rather have schools. We'll see how this year's Olympics play out. I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Dot com, Twitter me, Rob Black Show, YouTube me, Rob Black Show.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Chris Siaccia from thestreet.com. He is the tech editor, smart guy, guy I always enjoy chatting with uh, because it's it's kind of right in our wheelhouse of technology. How are you, Mr. Siaccia? Good, Rob. How are you doing on this Thursday? Doing well. Um, I'm doing better than Fitbit, and uh, Fitbit has been in the news as the shares plunge eerily similar to GoPro, where they're both consumer devices some would say maybe commodity consumer devices and uh what's happening in in the world of fitbit you know they're selling devices you know at a, at a fairly healthy clip um but investors took one look at the guidance for uh the first quarter and really you know even there's some concerns about 2016 guidance and then crushed the shares uh, you know fitbit blamed it on um, you know, the launch of the, the new products that are coming, the Ulta and the Blaze, which is their competitor to the Apple Watch, saying that they're going to be, you know, later in the quarter and that there'll be some spillover to Q2. But investors were not having any of it and any kind of concern, especially in this market, shares are just going to get crushed, and that's what happened to Fitbit. Um, from a user standpoint, my scenario is that, yeah, I got a Fitbit and uh, it synced beautifully. And then when it lost its sync, I, I couldn't find the little dongle that it originally came with. And so it's stuck on the wrong time and it doesn't sync with a phone. Um, it just became kind of annoying, the whole thing. So I, I think I was maybe two to three months into it and I was like, I give up. Um, I think a lot of people give up on, on wearable devices. Um, Google Glass had no lasting appeal. Fitbit, do they or don't they? What are your thoughts on how the consumer likes or enjoys the technology? Yeah, you're not the first person to give up on it. Um, Fitbit came out and said that they had 72% of the people who bought a Fitbit device still using it. I mean, that wasn't particularly impressive to me, um, nor was it impressive to, obviously, Wall Street. You know, and, you know, I've heard from, you know, quite a few Fitbit users that they've had problems connecting them to their iPhone. The company's aware of this, um, but it doesn't seem to be really doing anything about it, or at least not, you know, to the consumer's liking, at least, you know, not yet. So we'll see what, whether they have, you know, a legitimate response to this. But this is clearly something that Fitbit needs to worry about, especially considering they bet the whole company on this wearable and digital health and lifestyle trend. I mean, you can clear, you can see it from the just you know from the the standpoint of the uh, the stock price. Clearly, things are not working out as Fitbit hoped. Um, you know, whether that changes, you know, is anybody's guess, but it doesn't seem like it's going to change anytime soon. Yeah, I'm just I guess I'm now in the camp, and you know, maybe this is color for your future articles. I'm waiting for the iPhone, and I'm, I'm not the iPhone. I'm waiting for the iWatch to get the reviews that I want it to get, and I'm. Fitbit's gone. They're dead to me, so to speak. Um, but we can move on from that, I believe. Um, other big stories that are out there. Google's freaky, deaky, crazy robot yesterday. Um, Five-foot-tall robot that walks, and if you put a gun in its hand, it looks like it came straight out of the Terminator movie. What do we know, need to know about Skynet coming to get us? Basically, if you see Arnold Schwarzenegger anywhere near you, run. I mean, this is <laughs> get to the helicopter. Thing. This is the freakiest thing I've seen in a long time. And I spoke, you know, to a bunch of journalists, 
they all agreed that this is legitimately menacing to watch. Um, obviously, Google has, you know, probably, they probably don't have Skynet ambitions, at least not yet. Um, but watching that video, especially at the end, where the Boston Dynamics engineer is pushing the robot over, and then it gets up. I mean, clearly, if you know, if it gets artificial intelligence and learns who that guy is, he's going to be the first to go. Because that was really, really freaky to watch. So I did a little story on this yesterday, and I was like, if you look, if you work in an environment where you walk around and pick things up, you're on call to be replaced. Um, this is the first time we've seen walking robots that can, you know, look like a human and do things like humans. Um, you know, again, if you manufacture cars, certainly there's robots there, but this looks like a human, which I think is the, the most intriguing part about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're clearly sort of trying to either replace um, manual labor or, you know, kind of help, you know, with some of their logistics initiatives. Um, so it's interesting from – definitely interesting from a tech perspective, um, but I'm sure there will be some people who complain about, you know, low-skilled jobs or, or those some of those types of jobs um, are being taken away and – it's a, a constant battle between um, the rich and, and the middle class and the poor, and this is just another example of where it seems like you know technology is benefiting um, the wealthy more more so than the middle class or the poor, at least you know from the majority of you know um, the popular opinion standpoint. So we'll see where this goes, but I mean, clearly Google has bigger ambitions than uh, than what they've shown in some of these videos. It's pretty interesting stuff because I think robots come in all shapes and sizes, whether it's a manufacturing robot that does cars. Um, there's a robot here in the Bay Area in San Francisco. There's a restaurant that now serves all their food through a kiosk. So you order your quinoa bowl, you add chicken, you add beef, you add whatever you want to it, and there's no human in the process. Um, so it's going to change the labor force down the road. How soon do you think until we really have to be worried from a labor force perspective? I mean, you're sort of already seeing it now a little bit. Um, you know, there's been some concerns about what Amazon's doing with its Kiva robots. You've seen um, robots in, in Tesla's um, factory. It's replaced some workers. But, I mean, still, a robot can't do everything that a human can. They can do processes, you know, repetitive processes very well. Um, but they don't have critical thinking yet. That's where artificial intelligence comes. And I don't think that's really going to come at least, for, you know, for the next, you know, five, seven years. Gotcha. Anything else in the story that's worth uh, beating up or, or fleshing out? No, I think that um, if you watch the video, if you go back and, and read the story on the street.com and you watch the video and, and you talk about it with your loved ones, don't run out and go buy guns and ammunition just yet to protect yourself from the rise of Skynet, but it might not be such a bad idea. <laughs> Facebook seems to be just spot on when they acquire a company. They seem to pay way too much, but then two or three years later, we look at them and go, that was pretty smart of them. Um, Instagram is one of those. Um, how is Instagram doing for Facebook? The company just announced yesterday that it surpassed 200,000 advertisers, which is a huge number um, for a platform that was basically almost an afterthought, you know, four or five years ago from uh, um, you know, from a, a user base perspective, right before 
um, you know, it really started to ramp up, and then uh, Facebook bought it. It now has over 400 million users uh, who use it every month. But there's been some concerns that, you know, some of the advertising, which has ramped up, you know, within the past six months or so, is getting a little concerning to users. So there's a, a big piece, you know, talking to some advertisers, talking to some people in tech, and, uh, and found out that, you know, Instagram is very, very cautious about how they show ads to users, and they're very mindful of it. So right now it seems to be that they're doing, you know, they're walking that fine line and they're keeping their balance, but any missteps, and it could be uh, something concerning for Facebook and Instagram. Anything else in the world of technology that you're looking at that is breaking news or good story? Sure. So I had a chance to go visit Tesla's New York store yesterday um, okay. to go take a look at the Model X. And there's a little bit of a, an Easter egg that Tesla's uh, put in the, the Model X. If you hold um, the ludicrous button on the control panel to switch over the suspension and you hold it for seven seconds, you can see the space balls. Um, lights from the movie in the car. So it's a little bit of a, a neat feature that Tesla's kind of put into the Model X and it's continued a tradition of having surprises for users. I saw one of the features that they, two of the features, and this is what's fascinating about the vehicle. And you got it, did you get to drive it? Yeah, I get to drive it around, uh, drive it around, uh, you know, Chelsea, you know, which if you're not familiar with New York City is, you know, you know, a little bit lower than Midtown. Um, it was raining, so I really didn't have a good chance to gun it and test it out. But, you know, for the few seconds that I was at a stoplight and, you know, was able to go, you know, 0 to 60 and 3-2, you can definitely feel the power behind this SUV. It's it's incredible. You know, it's 6,000 pounds, and it feels, you know, light as, as light as air, but you know that you're you're uh, protected because it's it's such a tank. That's just exactly what I wanted to hear, a good positive review on it, because there's not a lot of reviews yet on it. Um, but one of the modes that I thought saw that was interesting was um, the air conditioning or the air system. They've got like a bioterrorism mode, like it's called Eleven, and it's basically protects you from toxins outside the vehicle, which makes no sense until you start thinking about how much pollution there is in China. Seems like Tesla's pretty smart on who they're going after. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did not play around with um, the biohazard feature yesterday in the car, um, but that's definitely something that you have to think about. I mean, Elon Musk talked about it at the uh, at the event in September, and he, he's kind of joking about it. But you're right. I mean, pollution is a big concern in China. Tesla clearly considers China, you know, a big market for them. And even though you know the U.S. and other parts of the world are continuously making efforts to try to clean up uh, gotcha. their air quality. It's, you know, something that's got to be concerning to people. Thanks very much. It's Chris Siaccia, tech editor at thestreet.com. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find him online at thestreet.com. I can't be
listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. What is a paper loss? We haven't hit an all-time high on the S&P 500 since May of last year. Feels like a long time where our portfolios are going lower. You look at your portfolio on your 401k and it may be a paper loss where you've gone from $200,000 to $180,000 and you've, you're frustrated. It makes you sad. You decide I'm not going to ever open my statements again because I feel like I'm losing money. I've got an app on my phone that's tied to all my houses and all my bank accounts and all my credit cards and all my investments. And sometimes for giggles, I'll open it up during lunch and I'm like, oh, I've lost how much money today? But I don't really get stressed about it. It's just dramatic. And I I don't, uh, I'm not going to get into the whole happiness of, of stuff. But paper losses, they're not realized. Uh, investors suffer a paper loss when an asset declines in value, but you haven't sold it yet. And if Disney goes from 120 down to $90 a share, and you bought it at 120 and it's now at $90, you've got a paper loss. You're like, oh, I should never have done this. I should have waited for it to go lower. Sure, you've got a crystal ball. But year after year, when it was hitting all-time highs, all-time highs, all-time highs, all-time highs, all-time highs, all-time highs, you didn't think about it. Paper losses are okay, and I like having a shopping list where I could see companies not at their 52-week highs, because it does feel bad to buy it at an all-time high, and then you have to wait for it to try to get back there, and does it or won't it, will it or won't it, Ah, yes or no, there's some drama there, right? But like I've been saying recently, I recently punched in my home into Zillow, and Zillow is not the end-all, be-all database for your home price but I was able to see and I forgot because during that period of time in my life and I've owned I think I've owned probably about five houses in my lifetime that I've lived in Um, during that period of time in the last six seven years I've forgotten that you know seven eight years ago real estate prices were super high and that they collapsed eight nine years ago uh, from their all-time highs. And my house, which I th- I feel like it's at an all-time high, it's not at an all-time high. You have to go back eight and a half, nine years to see that it's all-time high. It's still $400,000 away from that. Uh, do I get there? I don't know. I don't care. I don't buy a home thinking I'm going to make big dollars. I buy a home because it's somewhere I want to live and pay myself rent and get a nice tax deduction along the way. Um... I buy a home knowing that I'll be in that house hopefully five years. God be willing, you know. Um, but sometimes you have to remind yourself, like, if you bought, if you, I had bought my house 18 months earlier, I'm at a paper loss. But as it turned out, there's about a 40 to 50% correction, and thus, I've already made 50%. In such a small amount of time, I'm convinced that, I'm convinced that I'll never make money off of it. And that's the way you should approach real estate. 
People are like, real estate's a great investment. What they are are salespeople are trying to get your transaction because transactions in real estate are wildly, wildly profitable. So know that going in. Um, there's one guy who does a radio show that 10 years ago, he didn't, well, he's been doing it for 20 years. And 10 years ago, he didn't own any real estate. He was telling you to go real, own real estate. In fact, he lived with his father, which he, I, I'm not against living with your father. But let's not give the perception that, you know, that you don't, if that makes any sense. So, father, do you think they'll drop the bomb? Markets are slightly higher. Who cares? On a day-by-day basis. So you had six up years, you had a sideways year. This year, where are we going to go? I think we're poised for a good back half of the year. Uh, not great, good. So I don't see any crazy earnings drivers. I see some nice little earnings drivers, but nothing, you know, skyrocketing from these levels. Today, taking a look, oil is slightly lower. Markets are kind of slightly sideways. Ten-year Treasury sits at 1.71%. Ooh-wee, that makes uh, mortgages look good. Um, gold, not a big story at this point in time. Um, pancreatic cancer. Researchers in the UK have made what is described as a breakthrough reclassification of pancreatic cancer. And they see some new opportunities to treat the often fatal disease, which hits you fast. Um You've seen Bill Gates come out yesterday and say 30 years from now, cancer won't be as big of a problem. Well, of course, but he thinks it could be totally defeated. Here's the downside with that. That means we're going to be living longer, right? And which means you're going to have to save even more. So it makes people's jobs like mine even more important to say, save, 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 not drink, 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 save, 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 save. So if we eliminate cancer, that's not a good thing because people are going to be living longer. I know you're saying, my dad died of cancer, USOB. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not. I'm sad that your dad died of cancer. My dad died of cancer. Uh, but if we live longer, we're going to have to have a lot more money. So, Or we're going to need a Zika virus to take out old people, something like that. Um, and again, that's clearly sarcasm. So... Don't go all Logan's run on me. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Pick up the phone, give me a call. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. So say what you wanna go, 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 say what you wanna Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.